Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Android Faithful. Every week we bring you news, we bring you apps, we bring you hardware in that order, or maybe not, from the wide world of Android. I am Gwen Tuet Dow. And I'm Michelle Ramon. I muted myself. I'm Ron Richards. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm back behind the driver's seat while Jason is off. And so uh, there's going to be little hiccups here and there. And that's what happens because I'm human. And that's what... Uh... <laughs> We are just overly excited because we have a very special guest today, and I am super excited to to introduce not just a wonderful guest, a fellow Android dev, a fellow GDE, but a very, 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 very good friend of mine, first time guest to the show, to the show Zara Dominguez. Zara, hi. <laughs> welcome, Zara. Thanks for joining us. You are very much welcome, and I am very, very excited to be here. I think I've texted Nguyen so many times. <laughs> I get so, so many excited times. for this show. <laughs> Just, just really excited, and and Zara said she's actually been watching and listening, oh, which is always great awesome. to hear that that other Dev Fam uh, are you know watching what we do too, because I do think what we do is important. Um, Zara, I, 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 so I, it's funny because Zara and I, been, and I have been friends for years. We've like escaped from many escape rooms together. We've hung out all the time, and so I, I feel like I know you so well. But I know this is your first time on our show. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how did you get started in Android development? All right, cool. Um, how long have I got? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm based in Sydney, Australia, where it's bright and sunny today. Um, and I am indeed from the future. I believe everyone's in the US. Um, yeah, I've been an Android developer for lots and lots of years now, more than 13 probably, since the very first Android public SDK came out. Um, and yeah, I moved to Australia 10 years ago, and it's been a really good ride. I've seen everything in Android from, I can't believe if I think about it now, like what we needed to do back in the day to mm -hmm. be an Android developer. So it's been a wild ride. Yeah, and um, I mean, Zara has... Is, is not just a really fantastic, you know, super senior capable developer on her own. Like as I mentioned, she's also a GDE. She's been featured by, you know, Google in many different stories, not just as a developer and as a GDE, but also as a community leader. Uh, I mention all the time on the show how wonderful the Android development, commu development community is, as well as like our faithful, we love y'all. Uh, there is just as much love and community on the developer side. And Zara is a much a part of that from just being 
not just, but from being also an engineer, but also a community leader. Uh, and, and you ran the Google developer group in group, Sydney for yeah. a long time. Yeah. So when th- knows more about me than I do, <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like I don't do anything, <laughs> you do, which is like absolutely <laughs> totally far from the truth. But yeah, Zara is someone I've looked up to for a long time, both as a community leader oh, and a fellow you. dev. Uh, and yeah, it's been really great just being friends in Android uh, and being women in tech together. So anyway, um, really well, excited to have you on And, and that was part of when, show. you know, Zara, that's why we're so excited to have you, not only because you're from the future, being tomorrow in Australia, and you could tell you could tell me what the lotto <laughs> numbers are um, after the show, which would be great. Don't tell anybody else. Um, <laughs> no, but, but when we when we started up Android Faithful, you know, when I know like when we, were ta- when we were brainstorming about what we wanted to do and what we wanted to do differently from all about Android was we really wanted to hear from more developers like give developers more time because like the people who are actually behind the keyboard making it happen and so when when was like zara wants to do the show we were like oh that's a no-brainer let's do it for sure so yeah that's why it's great to have you on um and the fact that you i didn't even know you watch the show so that's great (laughs) of course i do whenever one does something i'm like i'm there well, same my girl. Yeah. yeah. Well, same Um, and it's it's been like that forever. I mean, just to go off on a tangent, like it is. This is like a whole other like show, but it is really hard being a woman in tech, especially I think when we first started in Android. And so Zara and a lot of our Androids, you know, uh, you know, women, uh, uh, female identifying fam, have been a big source of like support and strength and just like cheerleading and just inspiration. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's. It's really special. I just just to all let you know that the people behind the keyboard, there's like a special magic just as much from this side of it as it is from like the consumer side and 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 a lot of amazing people uh, that we usually have on the show and then like amazing people like Zara that we're having on the show for the first time. So anyway, awesome. good question about Zara the whole time. But I guess we have to talk about yeah because it, it actually is a big week and Zara. This is a great time to have you on because. Um, are you like us that last week when the news of Android 15's first developer preview coming out uh, hit? Did did you in a in a frenzy head over to the Android developers blog to check it out? Or <laughs> yeah, because especially as devs, right? It's always like, oh, what do I have to do now? <laughs> like yep. what now? Especially <laughs> if they have like breaking changes. That's usually oh oh we need to plan this out and figure out what we need to do. So it's usually the first like scan of like, are there any major right. things that we have to update well, so, to? So yeah, so we talked about it last week, how um, uh, Michelle, I think we were, we were chatting about how we, we knew Android 15 was coming any day now. Um, we, we I think we recorded the show on February 13th and we joked, wouldn't it be great if they released it on February 15th, right? Android 15, February 15th. They came so close. On February 16th, the news hit on a Friday. Um, and just in terms of the big uh, bullet points on the Android developers blog, uh, you know, a uh, friend of the show, Dave Burke, VP of engineering over at Android, shared the blog post, shared the news, their very cool, spacey, NASA-esque logo that they're keeping with that, uh, that design schema for this version. Um, but some of the big bullet points um, that they called out in the blog, uh, in, you know, of course, include protecting user privacy and security, um, you know, some options about the privacy sandbox on Android, Health Connect, file integrity, partial screen sharing, um, and then a whole section about supporting creators, um, how we're getting more in-app camera controls, uh, support for virtual MIDI MIDI 2.0 devices, which I was surprised to see, which is pretty cool, Um, and a whole bunch of performance and quality improvements and stuff focused on developer productivity. Um, So it wouldn't be an Android release without our resident expert, uh, Michelle, who I believe Michelle... 
you talk about being in a tizzy of covering this last week, right? You had to scramble and dive into it. So when you looked under the hood of uh, developer preview number one, what did you find, sir? (laughs) Well, actually, I kind of want to correct you on that. I didn't have to scramble that much. I was actually pretty much done digging into it by like 3 p.m. that day. And the reason is because under the hood, Google has actually significantly, like dramatically changed the way they develop Android. And that's like a whole t- different topic for another day. But because of that, pretty much the Android 14 QPR betas, is they're almost identical code base-wise with the Android 15 release. So a lot of the things that I've been digging through for the past few months with those QPR betas, those are actually intended for Android 15, and we're going to see them in this Android 15 release. And uh, so when I was actually doing my deep dive into Android 15 DP1, there was like very few changes to talk about. And that's because a lot of the bigger stuff I'd already talked about in previous betas. Um, But some of the things I did find in Android 15 DP1 include a new notification cooldown feature. This uh, gradually lowers the notification volume when you get many successive notifications from the same app. And you can apply this cooldown to all notifications or only conversations. Um, This is on by default, but you can turn it off in settings. And this feature will be helpful in case, like, you have a contact who just spams 10 messages at you in, like, five seconds, you know, instead of getting a ping, 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 like, 10 times and making a really loud noise, it'll gradually lower the volume with each successive notification. So, you know, you get the notification, but you don't get spammed with the alerts from it. Um, Another feature that they added is a new keyboard vibration toggle that allows you to disable um, the haptics in your keyboard app system-wide. Now, this requires the keyboard app to support it. But um, many keyboard apps already have their own built-in vibration toggle. This is basically just a way to turn it off from within settings. Um, Another thing they added is this slight haptic feedback whenever you adjust the brightness on your Pixel phone. And if you have a Pixel Fold, they re-added the continue using apps on Fold feature. So if you have a a foldable, if you have an app open on the inner screen and you transition it to the outer screen by closing it, um, on the Pixel Fold currently, only a couple of full-screen apps and games support going from the inner screen to the outer screen. This new setting will allow you to choose whether or not you always want apps to continue from the inner screen to the outer screen, if you only want certain apps or games, like full screen apps that I just mentioned, or if you never want any apps to transition. But something that I discovered is in a future release, Google is working on a new swipe up to continue feature where um, instead of having apps always transition or only some apps transition, you can choose when to transition an app. So when you close your fold on the lock screen, on the cover screen, there'll be a swipe up um, little area where you can just swipe up and then you choose when you want that app to move from the inner to the outer screen. That isn't implemented yet. I had to dig it into the release to show this screenshot that Ron's showing right now on screen. Um, But that's something that's going to be coming eventually in a future release. And as I mentioned before, there's a lot of other changes that are in the in the QPR betas for Android 14 that will be actually coming in Android 15, such as the private space feature that I talked about before, the revamped chant bubbles experience for large screen devices, the easy preset mode, built-in support for app archiving, um, improved support for Bluetooth LE audio broadcasting, lost screen widget support for tablets, improved battery health APIs, potentially an app pairing feature, the built-in phishing protection, and a whole lot more that I also discovered after Android 15 DP1 um, released. And the first thing is a in-development feature that could protect your most sensitive notifications from scammers. And what I found is that it looks like um, Google is working on a new feature that will mark certain sens- that will mark certain notifications as sensitive. And what I think is happening is um, 
they'll detect notifications with OTP codes in them, or in other words, the codes that you get when you're getting a two-factor authentication code from your, you know, via email or SMS. And um, it'll detect that, and then it will mark it as sensitive so that they won't be delivered to applications that use Android's Notification Listener API. So this API um, allows apps to read and intercept notifications, and it's commonly used by things like your companion app to like forward a notification from your phone to your watch um, and other apps that might need to read your notifications for whatever reason. But malicious apps could potentially use that API to read and intercept your OTP codes from your notifications. So what Android 15 looks to be doing is detect when there's an OTP code, mark it as sensitive, and then it won't deliver it to untrusted notification listeners. It'll only deliver it to trusted ones, which would be system apps. And then another thing that I discovered is this is a very minor change, but Android 15 DP1 now pins a certain key library used by the Android system web view to memory so that this will help the web view spin up more quickly whenever apps need to use it. And if you're not familiar, the web view is is a component that a lot of apps use to render web content inside the app. And by pinning it to memory, it ensures that it's not purged from memory whenever the system is running low on resources. And then, you know, if it's purged from memory, it has to be brought back into memory, which could cause some jankiness whenever you need to load up something, you know, that relies on WebView. Cool. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be a lot more. And I already have more planned. I'm just, I need to write it up. So, uh, yeah, if you want to find out what's happening in Android 15, keep on listening to Android Faithful. Yeah, for sure. I mean... That's so hilarious because actually uh, just... Oh, yeah. Oh. After you win, go. No, go, go ahead, yeah. run. Oh, okay. Oh, well, sorry. Just I literally yesterday I had an Android dev friend come over to my house and he was trying to show me... He wanted to test his app on my phone. And he was like, so what happens if I load my phone on the inner screen and I close your Pixel Fold? And I'm like, nothing, dude. You get a lock screen. So... Uh, I, I am a little, I should have, I should have installed the preview last week. Um, but look, that's definitely my number one looking forward, looked, looked forward to, is that the right grammar on that feature for Android 15? It's just for me, for my, for my phone. Well, I thought it was interesting to see stuff specific to the foldables, you know, specifically around the pixel fold. And I, you know, I, Michelle, I have to assume this would apply to any foldable, right? This isn't just pixel fold specific, right? I, it, it would, it would, Am I correct in that assumption, or that this is uh, how Android operates with right. foldables, right? So, um, right. I mean, like OnePlus, they already have this exact feature that continue on by swiping up yeah. on the cover screen. Like it looks like Google is literally copying what OnePlus did. Samsung has their own version of the feature that's not swipe up to continue, but they already have their own transition feature. And uh, Google is basically playing catch up here, but you know. I think they're doing the right approach by copying what right. OnePlus did. So, Zara, is there anything uh, here in Android 15 that's got you excited as a developer? Or? Well, not as a developer, but I guess more as a sure. consumer is um, I really like that OTP thing because now everything is OTP. Um, and, you know, just like I'm pretty sure I'm safe, but who knows, right? So having that, I think, extra layer of security would be very, very yeah. welcome. I mean, the, the continuing effort to protect user safety and user privacy, I think just, you know, that has been a mm-hmm. drumbeat that they've been on for years now. And it's great to see that like that, that work will never be done, right? Like there's always improvements and changes that can be made and things are going to emerge and things they have to react to. So super glad to see it's still, uh, you know, it's still a priority for them, right? 
Yeah, it's not always easy for us as devs um, when it's it's always like the kind of two things where you're very glad for the users, but then as a dev, it can be very challenging. So it's like, I'm so glad for you. It's a lot of work for me, but it's it's better this way. It's better this way. Very cool. Well, yeah, well, anytime, I mean, the first release of of, of the developer preview is the moment is like, it's almost like the, like the calendar resets now, right? And the, for the rest of the year, we're going to be tracking these, uh, these releases until... Uh, August or September when Android 15 does get rolled out. Um, it's probably too early to predict when it's going to come out officially. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start that game up when we get closer in the summer as we get closer, right? <laughs> yep. Think about, well, your, think about your bets I would now. say early September right. is... Okay. Michelle's betting early September? <laughs> we'll I have see. no idea. I'll just pick October because why not? <laughs> I, well, you would... Wait, was it August last no, year? No, remember was it? there was all, was, the, it was all the bumps. Yeah, remember it got oh, yeah. pushed. And, it was bumps. Yeah. It was October. Yeah, Ender 14 was yeah. delayed a bit. Oh, I don't feel good about, about October, but I'll take October because yeah. why not? Someone's yeah. got to get the, the end range. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, that wasn't the only thing that came out of Google uh, last week, right? No. Yeah, and of course, when did, when did we not have an AI story it's, it's these the days? <laughs> It's the new world's AI. Uh, and so recently, you know, um, Google rolled out, you know, their quote, most capable model, Gemini 1.0 Ultra as part of Gemini Advanced, which is like the paid subscription version of Gemini. Well, not to be outdone by even, I guess, to even outdo themselves, uh, this week they announced Gemini 1.5, which is the next next generation model. And they really went into a lot of technical detail, kind of, I wish Jason was here because he is the yep. AI guy. And so I, I'm doing my best here. Um, but it does seem like they really are emphasizing a lot of the technological advancements that make Gemini 1.5 literally like better, stronger and faster. And again, like there's a lot of good, interesting detail, a lot of really good breakdowns. Um, but basically, they, they kind of mentioned two things, which I think is kind of interesting to note is that um, Gemini 1.5 uses a mixture of ex experts, uh, MOE approach, MOE approach to answering queries. So basically kind of before uh, the LLM will basically run an entire model to process a query, whereas with this MOE mixture of experts approach, it's trying to be a little bit more modular and specific when handling requests. And so rather than having the entire model process like something you ask it, it will actually route this request to a group of smaller experts, um, a smaller group of expert neural networks for faster and higher quality responses. I mean, I guess it's kind of the difference between going to Encyclopedia Britannica to answer a question uh, rather than like, say, going to, I don't know, your professor that does that specific thing at college or at uni or something. So just um, kind of trying to be more specific and, and more efficient in how they process things, which again, higher, uh, higher quality and faster responses. Um, they also talked about something called a much larger context window. Um, and this is actually really cool. I think more or less, and and anyone who's actually much better at AI can can correct me on this, but context window is more or less the working memory during a session of the LLM. So they mentioned that this is important because it helps their AI models, like any AI model, Gemini, uh, ChatGPT, or ever, have this concept of a context window. And it's basically the information that that model recalls during a session. And this Google post actually likens it to, you know, trying to remember someone's name in the middle of a conversation or someone telling you a phone number to call and you having to write it down. Like, the the bigger that context window is, the more the LLM kind of can, can retain that contextual information that is introduced during that session. And so, obviously, 
Because you can imagine the more that that it's able to retain in its working memory, the better quality responses and the more kind of like, you know, connections and processing it can do for you. And so just to give it some scale, the previous version of Gemini had like a context window of 32,000 tokens, whatever that means. But what's interesting is to note is that Gemini 1.5 has a context window that is 30 times longer. It's like a million tokens. So even if you don't really know what that means, in effect, what 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 is going to happen is that the new version of Gemini has this bigger working memory. It can take more text in, more images, more audio, more code, more video, whatever, and use that to you know, respond to you and generate, you know, whatever it is that it's generating for you, which is sounds really freaking awesome. Um, it's not available just yet, unless you're a developer, and it is available via early access in Google AI Studio. So I, I think this just goes along with the theme of like, Google, not just kind of trying to keep up with the Joneses in terms of AI, but really trying to flex their muscle and just, you know, even if it's a little bit, you know, very jargony and very kind of technical, just showing, hey, like we are doing very substantive, like very incredible things with our AI. So yeah, that's Gemini 1.5. Um, and if you're interested in AI, uh, you should number one, listen to uh, AI Inside by our very own Jason Howe, but also, you know, check out some of the articles out there that kind of have a little more layman's uh, approach or layperson's, you know, kind of approach to some of these concepts because, AI is here and it's here to stay and it just keeps getting more advanced. My, my reaction when, when the Gemini 1.5 stuff came out was like, it was like literally last week they they rolled out Gemini and then boom, follow up with 1.5. Yeah. Like can't stop, won't stop, right? Um, yeah, can't. Um, so Zara, I know, I know we talked a little before the show started. You said you hadn't had a lot of experience with Gemini as of yet. But um, what from what you've heard and, and this whole, you know, kind of Google embracing AI and assistant going away in favor of Gemini, what's your, you know, what, what is your kind of take on it as it, as it stands currently with what exposure you do have? I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how businesses like embed this in their apps, right? Because I remember like when the very basic AI Google Assistant came out like years ago, everyone's like, oh, we're going to put this in our app and then people can like talk to their phone and then it will answer and basically control the app with their voice. But like it, it sucked. It didn't understand people very well. It didn't understand accents very well, but it's been years since then. And yes, when said like, Oh, Google can throw just all the money they have on this and make it instantly amazing. So I, I, I think it's just a matter of time when we see like apps actually integrate and use this, models and all this information inside their apps and who knows what's going to happen then right people are very creative yeah, yeah last week's announcement was not as sexy by like compared to sora <laughs> from OpenAI. if you haven't heard uh, but it certainly is very impressive because like i've seen people who have gotten early access posts about what they've been able to do with gemini 1.5 and they're like having like an hour long YouTube video or like a full length movie inserted as a prompt and they're asking you questions about the movie and it's able to answer it. Like previously you wouldn't be able to do that because it just would not have enough basically yeah. memory to be able to go through and parse all that data. But now you can. So now you can entire, like for developers, you could upload like an entire, you know, GitHub repository of your source code. And ask questions, like right? Like many thousands and yeah. thousands of lines of code and ask yeah. questions about it, right? So there's, there's a lot of opportunities here and... um I hope they open it up soon so more people can test it. Zara, as a dev, um, you know, what do you think is like the biggest barrier right now to actually, you know, I guess integrating AI? Is it like finding something that is worth, you know, investing time in as a feature? 
Is it just, you know, I don't know, like having to adopt a different way of like processing information rather than kind of like the straightforward, like ways we do it. Like, what do you, what do you think, it, what do you think it would take for, for you personally to kind of like finally mm-hmm. sit down and, and start like integrating AI into whatever you're doing for work or personal? I think it's, it's really time. Cause yeah. I'm like, I'm one of those devs who I try not to code in my spare time. Cause I do that's that. A good, yeah, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. It's, I, I do it enough during my day job. So, you know, it's, it's, and I'm I'm at the age where I try to like I'm gonna learn what I need. Um, mm-hmm. I really don't have time for much else. Um, so I think at some point it's gonna come to like a head where like okay it's 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 we have to do this now. Um, but and also it's a lot of information, right? Like there's all these like jargon and all these things that I feel like if you haven't been there from the very beginning, it's a bit hard to like, what does this all mean? <laughs> in And what does this mean for me when I use it? Um, so I think a lot of, and I'm sure like once it opens up, a lot of people will have like tutorials and write up, write-ups and all those things because that always happens. People will always um, write about things and how you can use it. Um, and I, I think maybe in I know with how fast it's going, like maybe a year, it will be very different from where yeah, we are now. Just think about where we were a year ago, right? Like ChatGPT was like a yes. was a novelty, was like for people in the know or whatever. It was just kind of early on, and that last time. I mean, Michelle, you kind mm-hmm. of mentioned that you know this you know Gemini one point five not being as sexy as OpenAI Sora, but like stuff OpenAI is doing, and so like for those who don't know, Sora was OpenAI's um, uh, AI driven video generator where you could enter in a prompt and generate up to 60 seconds of full motion video, which is like reality affecting, right? Which is like has major implications. Whereas the approach Google's taking is like what, and kind of why I kind of like the approach Google's taking a little bit more than, than OpenAI is that, Google already has this entire infrastructure when you kind of mention it. They're flexing their muscles. They're showing what they can do. But it's all done, Mm -hmm. Zara, to your point, in the lens of like, and this is what you can do with Google applications with this behind it, right? And it's much more uh, productive in mindset or in like, you know, kind of user focused, you know, whereas, um, you know, not criticizing what OpenAI is doing either because OpenAI is 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 truly disrupting and forcing everyone to go as fast as, you know, much faster in in terms of this. But it's it's like the concept of being able to use this to like, even like Notebook LM, like the Notebook application, like to take better meeting notes, to use AI to help you take better, like it's more like oh that's something I need to do. This is something that can is applicable to what I what I use applications for. I feel like that's a a step in the right direction of getting more user adoption and the the average user to better understand what's really going on without needing to know everything under the hood, right? So yeah, I, I think Zara touched on what is basically common is that you know it's different now because AI is coming as he said to a head. But a lot of times when something new happens, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be AI. It could be anything. It's a matter of time and investment, and it can be really hard to get a company to invest in it, especially if there's not an apparent connection. Like, yeah, if we were like, you know, if you work for a video, gen- a content, gener- like content hosting platform, the connection there was Zora, for example, is really obvious. But if you, I don't know, work for a bank or work for, you know, an, an app, I, what am I working on? Oh, that's different. Um, you know, it, it can be really hard to give, to just take any arbitrary app and figure out how to put AI into it in a way that justifies dev spending time learning and you know pm whatever design time on it so it but as you said i I think eventually we will come to a point where it's just table stakes just like anything else um it's just 
right now we're all playing the game like, okay, when do I, <laughs> when, 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 when is the rubber going to hit the road and we all have to right. do this thing and how are we going to do and it? And how do you stay so. ahead of it or at least not get knocked over by the wave of it? Right. <sighs> like that's, that's the, yeah, yeah absolutely. So. Absolutely. Cause yeah. it's always a risk. Yeah. You, you yeah. invest in something, if it doesn't work out, which, you know, let's be, let's, let's insert jokes about Google here. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know like both Zara and I have like invested in SDKs that don't work out. That's like a thing. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's a thing. Sorry, Google, but it happens. SDKs um, that don't work out. Always- I like, it's like, it's like a relationship, right? It's like, <laughs> it, it is, it is. I have to remove you now. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Thank you. You know, we had our time together, but I got to move on. It really is like, that. That's too funny. yeah, I feel like a good, a good application off the top of my head would be just like um, UX studies, right? And like user behavior analysis. I feel like oh, wow, would be yeah. a good application of like AI and just predicting like what next feature could we make that out of like what users do would be a good investment to put our money in. That is really Maybe. true. That is really yeah. true because there are a lot of smart people that look at a lot of numbers on on every team I've been on. Yeah. <laughs> But actually, hey Google, are you listening? Like that's actually an API we could use. Is like um, free idea engagement, uh, A/B test, it, like A/B test, like all that stuff. Like hit and hit, let's put the keywords in and let's see what pops out. But yeah, down the, down the idea. Factor, along, yeah. So. I hope we didn't just accidentally trigger everyone's Google Home there. Why we headphones on? It, it oh happens. Inadvertently said the naughty word. <laughs> All right. Well, so we'll keep an eye on Gemini as it or Jiminy, as I like to say it, um, as it continues. Jiminy. But it's definitely moving pretty fast. Um, but uh, I, for something not moving fast, Michelle, what what, what, what do we got next? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a report from the Consumer Intelligence Research Partners that shows that the percentage of new iPhone owners in the United States who came from Android has actually gone down in the year 2023. Um, but the Percentage difference is not that significant. Um, in 2022, only 15% of new iPhone users came from Android. That number in 2023 dropped by 2%, which means that 13% of new iPhone users came from Android, which is still a lot of people. Uh, still quite a significant number of people jumping ship from Team Android to Team Apple. And uh, the last time we saw that figure, according to their analysis, was 2019. Um, and 2020 and 2021 were at 11% of new iPhone users who came from Android, which were the better years for our side of the aisle. But um, it just shows that, you know, this trend is pretty steady. There's like about 11 to 13% every year, it seems, about of iPhone users who are jumping ship and going on to the green, bu- the blue bubble side of things. And it well, makes me it, sad to see all the people jumping ship. But it makes me wonder, what is the, what is the reverse of this look like? what is the percentage of iOS people jumping ship to come over to Android? Because the number of Android users aren't going down, right? Like the, like at some, there's, there's gotta be like balance to the force, right? <laughs> like for, for, <laughs> Oh, well, I guess this was only in the right. United States and uh, we have seen like statistics that show that Android, I mean, iPhone is becoming more and more dominant in the US and especially in like yeah. Western countries. So uh, the numbers probably don't look good if you look at them in a trend line right. for Android in Western countries. But overall, still Android is dominant worldwide, like, yeah, throughout the world Asia, because of just how many yeah, worldwide. That sort of stuff. So, well, interesting stuff enough. Um, well, 
What's the topography like in in Australia, Zara? Because we we have a very U.S. perspective from here, and it's always it's gonna it's gonna be iPhone versus Android for a long time. Is it the same in Australia, or is it different? Like, um, I think overall, it's still. I mean, Australia is pretty. I think well off compared to like other countries in Asia Pacific. So there's still a lot of um, there's a lot of iPhone users, but I think from uh, like the teams I've been in, it's usually 60-ish, 70-ish percent more iPhone users than Android users. Um, and there's like a lot of Samsungs because they're really cheap. Um, I remember, uh, I think was it last week you were talking about cheap phones? Like here you can go to a supermarket and get like $50 phones, which is like what, 35 That's US? Crazy. It's It's, yeah. So like, you know, if, if you just... Like if you have someone who doesn't have a phone and wants a phone, they'll probably get like a $50 brand new Samsung phone than like a $1,000 iPhone or something. Fascinating. Um, well, so Zara, what's, what phone are you using for your daily driver? What phone do you use? A Pixel right, 8. So up, up and current. There yeah. it is. So. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Um, well, well, we all, we love to keep an eye on numbers. So, uh, that definitely got our attention. Um, but now as the opportunity for, uh, our supporting, uh, patrons over at patreon.com slash Android faithful, um, where every week, uh, we put up some options of some potential news stories for us to talk about and the supporting patrons, uh, over at Patreon can vote on them. And we started a new trend this week, by the way. Every week, the patron news pick is going to uh, have some sort of AI-generated graphic of the bug droid reading the news. Um, several of you have already sent in uh, your – we talked about this last week on the show. Um, several of you have already sent in your takes on it. Um, Jason generated this one uh, last week and sent it along, so it's our first one. For our audio listeners, it's the, uh, it's the Android bug droid reading a newspaper that says Google News with an enormous phone in front of him um, and like a cityscape background, almost like he's a news reporter. Um, but yeah, so yeah. having fun with AI. Turns out Microsoft Copilot seems to be the best AI generator for – using the Android for making the Android bug droid <laughs> Michelle like since we've been discovering this Bing and Copilot seem to be the leader in terms of get, uh, generating a, a decent Android uh, bug droid uh, graphic so there you go so if you want to uh, if you want to get on the action if you want to generate uh, your own bug droid you can email them to us at contact at androidfaithful.com um, and we might use it on a future patron pick um, but uh, so this week's patron pick, uh, we had three stories for you all to choose from. Uh, the first one was that um, Bixby, uh, Samsung Bixby now lets you launch key uh, Galaxy AI features with just your voice. That came in last, 15% of the vote. Poor Bixby. Uh, it had AI Bixby. As, a bu- as a buzzword, but Bixby, thumbs down on Bixby. Um, the, the second story was the fact that the latest OnePlus 11 update is, ma- is making cameras useless on OnePlus 11 devices. Uh, that came in second with 29%. Um, and then the number one story, which is what I predicted would happen, um, with 55% of the vote, uh, the fall Unicode update will add eight emoji to our keyboard keyboards, which is, uh, important news, of course, to talk about anytime we talk about emojis, um, that is, that is breaking news. This actually came out last week and got cut from the show last week. So I was glad to see it get new life in the patron pick. Um, but so, um, so coming out in September, 2024, we're going to get new emojis, including, uh, a face with bags under the eyes, um, a, fi- <laughs> a fingerprint, 
a leafless tree, a root vegetable, a harp, a shovel, an abstract splatter, and a flag. Um, so, uh, if you are looking for different ways to, uh, suggest that you are tired, you'll now have a, a, a happy face with bags under his eyes. Ironically, I was sending a message to my sister and I was looking through the emoji keyboard for a shovel and I was shocked that there was not a shovel emoji. So I'm glad to see that's being added. I went with a broom instead of a shovel for that, that particular moment. Um, but yes, uh, the little, uh, thumbprint icon that looks like kind of like a, uh, thumbprint reader from, from an operating system that's there. Um, as is the splatter effect, which I feel like will get used a lot. Um, so what do we think, uh, group? Do we think these are good additions, lame additions? Michelle, which one's your favorite? Um, I like the the new face. <laughs> the tired <Look>. one. <laughs> That's how we yeah, all the tired. inside, you guys. That's how I feel after digging through Android 15. <laughs> Although the, the chat room is wondering who, who lobbied for a harp, um, which, is, which, is, which is true. How many times have you been like, Hey, all the harpists, <laughs> Joanne Newsom and uh, other harp. Is harpist? I feel like there's like a really cool word. Probably, for someone yeah. Plays a harp. Har- har- harp- harpinator. Uh, I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it should be. Um, I do want to call out though that we have a certified emoji expert in the chat. Mike Evans, another one of our Android Dev fam, uh, is a certified emoji expert. So it was good that it got cut this week, and we bring it this week because then we can just be like, hey. Emojis all up, all up in our space. I do, um, I do love the stuff. Unicode. I love, I do love this as a process. Um, in in yeah. terms of like, they get some so many submissions. They have so many ideas of of new emoji to add, and this group has to decide which ones are going to make the cut. And like, that's just a fascinating process. And we talked about it a bunch over the years on, on our old show. Um, and I'm glad to see that, that continuing, uh, that, that tradition continuing on. Um, and then when we get the, the next version, I think it's, uh, Unicode emoji 16.0 alpha, um, which is, oh, it's open for early review now, but it's going to be released in September. So I'm glad to see that the, the emoji train keeps on rolling, which is good. Um, and speaking of the train, keep on rolling. I do want to thank, do you, think you can like object. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just wonder if you could object to the 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 well, emoji that, that's set. The, that's the question. Is really is that like what what are the internal fights amongst the emoji team and deciding what it, what gets in, what doesn't get in, right? <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I would love to be the meeting notes taker in one of those <laughs> meetings. Uh, well, now you can use the harp um, as somebody as somebody in the chat room said. Don't harp on it. Right, that's a good use of the harp emoji. There it is. That's a good term. So, um, we also have clarification that a uh, uh, from cousin of John in the chat. Thank you very much. That a person who plays a pedal harp is called a harpist. A person who plays the folk harp is called a harper, and sometimes a harpist. But either may be called a harp player. So, <laughs> harper. Harper. Uh, harper is. A, I feel is a different thing. Um, well, anyway, before we move on, I want to thank um, a couple of our patrons specifically for helping support the show. Uh, Robert Eves from the UK, uh, Ian Smart, and Clint Williams from North Carolina are just three of the many, many patrons over at patreon.com slash androidfaithful. Um, and we thank everybody who supports us with that. And if you go sign up over there, you can get an ad-free version of the podcast. You can get a t-shirt at the if you get the $20 level. You can get access to our exclusive Discord. Um, fun stuff in there. So uh, we've got even more cool stuff coming for patrons soon. Um, so definitely get on board. And we thank everybody for your support. Um, so, yeah. Cool. All right. So that said, that's going to wrap up news. And let's get into hardware because we got some leaks, don't we? 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That we do. Um, we got some unexpected leaks thanks to sellers on eBay being naughty and selling things they shouldn't be, have access to. The first one is a prototype of the Pixel Fold. Well, it's not actually a Pixel Fold, but I'll explain it in a second. Um, basically, back in late 2021, 95 Google spotted a reference in the Android 12L code base to a device codenamed Jumbo Jack. At the time, it was assumed to be a prototype of the Pixel Fold hardware itself with the Galaxy Z Fold-like design. Fast forward to last week, this same device just mysteriously popped up on eBay, revealing itself to be a Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 2 that Google had flashed with stock Android 12L, presumably so they could test what the software experience would be like once they eventually got their hands on actual Pixel Fold prototype hardware. And uh, basically, what Google was doing was they were prototyping their eventual device using retail hardware from a competitor. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's probably not unusual. And I'm pretty sure this happens relatively often in the industry. But the thing we don't see often are retail units, are units like this leaking out in the wild, especially on eBay. And the second leak that happened through eBay was um, some unfortunate Redditors got their hands on some underpowered Pixel Watch 1 units. Um, so these Redditors were basically scammed into buying prototypes of the Pixel Watch with 8 gigabytes of RAM and, uh, sorry, 8 gigabytes of storage and 1 gigabyte of RAM. The retail Pixel Watch has 32 gigabytes of storage and 2 gigabytes of RAM. And um, this is obviously significantly underpowered compared to the retail model because, you know, if you only have 8 gigs of storage, you don't have a lot of space to store music, um, to download a lot of apps. And if you have only a gig of RAM versus 2 gigs, you know, you're going to have some issues with switching between apps and keeping apps in memory. And it's generally not as much of a problem on smartwatches, but, you know, you're kind of cutting it close when you're dealing with 1 gigabyte of RAM on an Android device. So I'm glad Google didn't launch the device with those specs that were on the prototype units that the Redditors got their hands on. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like, when did they decide to change it during the development process? Because it's quite a dramatic jump in, like, performance. 
Yeah, and and the 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 fact that these found their ways out in the hands of people, I think, is always like I I want to know that story as well too, right? Yeah, there's like a Pixar movie in here or something about like a little prototype device that somehow escaped I, into I the wild. I love that that's and... your take because like my thought is like that's a great docu series, like a documentary where like you know the, the reenactments <laughs> and like all this sort of stuff. <laughs> Zara, which what would you watch? Would you watch a documentary about this or a Pixar movie about this? <laughs> I'd watch yeah, the Pixar movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then there home. should be a documentary of the behind there you the go. scenes. That's how you do it. Yep. Of yeah. the Pixar movie. Dramatic um, recreations. You could have someone be like a Dave Burke impersonator, like have a very serious <laughs> meeting about how the prototypes got well, leaked like, or something. Wouldn't it be funny if it was him? <laughs> It, it would be. You, you got to imagine that the that the person selling it was unwitting, right? Like they, they somehow got their hands on a bunch of stuff and just threw it up there. Like I can't imagine the Googler with the jumbo jack with the with the Pixel Fold would, you know, knowingly sell it. Like they either threw it away or discarded it or somehow, you know what I mean? Like it, it, I, I can't imagine Lost that the people selling those devices know what they're what they have. That's my thought. I don't know. It would get you a really bad review on eBay, and so if you're a serious seller, that would be that would be a ding. I, I I imagine so. Like, yeah, maybe someone just finds it, like unfortunately, like at a restaurant or airport, and then just is like, yeah. okay, ooh, airport lost and found. I've always wondered about yeah. that. Like, I mean, you never you never know where this stuff where people. I mean, people buy. I, I saw someone on TikTok. Jeez, uh, here I'm admitting watching TikTok, but somebody on TikTok with a bought <laughs> a bundle of unopened mail of unclaimed mail that like. People like packages. People got sh- sent to the post office that never picked it up, and then the post office is just selling those packages. And it's like, what do you get? You know, it's like, oh, here's a T-shirt, and here's like whatever. You know, and like the fact that people abandon s- storage units, and then people pay. You know, like you know, site. You know, storage pickers, yeah. like whatever that show is. Oh, that yeah, that's, that's like, a show. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's there's a, show. a whole undercurrent of like unclaimed goods that just get purchased blindly, and like, what do you get? And sometimes you hit gold and get a repurposed Samsung foldable <laughs> with the jumbo jack. I'm pretty sure it happens in in the U.S. too, because yeah. here the airport had an yes. auction on cars left in the parking lot, and there were some pretty yep. nice cars. I, I and like. Well, how do you drive to the airport and just forget that you? I mean, sometimes your car you just need to get you. out, and you just you're not coming back. You know, like you just, <laughs> you just, so. you just, you just now that's you, like a mission impossible. Bait. B. I mean, like a BMW, <laughs> yeah. though. Well, no, no. Porsche. I mean, like police auctions of impounded cars <laughs> happens all the time too. Like that's the whole thing. Like when they, you know, like they, mm. you know, so it's it's crazy. So. Does the BMW yeah. have rockets in an invisible invisible mode? Because I'm just wondering if it's like maybe yeah, an no, MI6 James car. Yeah, James Bond's Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah inadvertently. Yeah, 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 he just left so. it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, some non-leak news, some controlled release. Um, yeah. Our friends over at OnePlus uh, uh, had a very cool announcement introducing the OnePlus Watch 2. Um, with a great slogan, if you ask me, your partner in time, which I, which I really enjoyed. Um, so uh, this is really interesting. And I also like I, I was really impressed by the approach that they took in terms of this announcement where they said after a three year hiatus and a reflective pause following the OnePlus Watch One, we're returning to the smartwatch scene with the OnePlus uh, Watch Two. Um, so this is a bit of a teaser to the OnePlus Watch Two's uh, official release um, or their, its grand entrance, as they call it, which is going to be 
happening at Mobile, Mobile World Congress uh, in Barcelona on February 26th, um, which is a good reminder that Mobile World Congress is right around the corner. Um, and I assume none of us are going, right? Michelle, you're not going, right? No. Uh, Unfortunately not. I need that hamon. Anyway, um, but <laughs> but so um, uh, OnePlus is out of the gate strong with this. So, you know, despite this um, not even being officially released, um, they are applying their exact same approach with their flagship killer um, approach with phones to the watch. Um, and they, they say here that they're aiming to win best flags, flagship smartwatch of the year. Um, and they're saying watch two uh, is you know going to be a bold statement of resurgence, boasting the best ever battery life and design that epitomizes both elegance and durability. Um, and yeah, and so it's going to be really interesting to see what the full specs of this look like and what their um, uh, flagship killer to ecosystem builder approach is going to be. Um, you know, as now they can pair this one, get it, pair, uh, the OnePlus Watch 2 with the OnePlus, Watch, OnePlus 12 along with the OnePlus Buds Pro 2. OnePlus is building a nice little ecosystem here um, and it's all coming together. So uh, we'll see what that looks like for Mobile World Congress. Um, we're definitely with bated breath and excited to try to get our hands on it, hopefully. So uh, we will see. Um, Zara, do you, do, you, do you partake in smartwatches? Do you, do you wear a smartwatch or... I got a, I got the OG Pixel watch from, um, I think it was, Google gave it away at one conference yeah. I went to. Um, and it was pretty horrible that time when it was first released. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. gotta be honest. I wore it, uh, I wore it walking around, uh, Europe and it's just like dead. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it was horrible, but now it's much better. Like the battery lasts like much yeah. longer. Um, I did spend quite a bit of time configuring my home screen as you do you know those things deserve the yep. time to to tweak and do all those sorts of things but yeah i like it um especially after the the improvements that they did to it um i didn't i skipped the pixel 2 because it started working yep. better so um yeah cool. i like it well we'll see what oneplus uh, brings to the brings to the smartwatch uh, table that's for sure um but we got even more stuff coming out right when yeah, I got a whole bunch of stuff. We we just know, this, for example, that Asus is going to release the Zenfone 11 Ultra, uh, or at least announce it or announce something, unveiling. There we go. We're going to unveil the Zenfone 11 Ultra on March 14th. Uh, there's not a lot. There is a teaser page at aces.com slash event slash Zenfone. They are going to have some kind of announcement event on March 14th with Taipei, Berlin, and New York listed as countries. So just give you an idea, just a very general idea of the possible markets that this will be available in. And I really like the expand your vision like motto that they are uh, kind of attaching to this event because it kind of has like multiple meanings because it is an ultra in the in the in the tradition of ultras it is presumably a big phone it's a little hard to tell like the photos that they have on the site are not you know forthcoming about actual dimensions but it does claim an ultra size but then of course what is a phone a flagship phone these days without some ai so not only do you get a bigger experience you get to expand your vision it does seem to kind of like give hints that um video and uh photo uh photo features which you know these days you, you can't you can't have a photo video feature without having some kind of ai that you know kind of augments those medias and then of course maybe expanding your vision because you have a longer lasting battery uh which is when one of the other things they claim that you'll just be able to look at it longer we'll see but anyway we'll have to wait till march 14th to see more 
But that's not all. If you wanted a little more, I mean, we talked about BMWs, but if you're more of a Porsche fan, then Honor has you covered because the Honor Magic V2 is coming out with a very Porsche-fied version. And I'm not really a Porsche fan myself, but if you are a Porsche fan, look for the special edition Magic V2 RSR. RSR stands for, and I'm sorry, German-speaking folks, the Rennsport Rennwagen, 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 uh, which is German for racing sport racing car, I think. Sorry, someone who actually knows German, correct me. Um, But basically, it's kind of a zhuzhed up version. The internals are basically the same, but it has kind of like the lines and the color and the styling of a Porsche. I think the fly line, which is like a kind of like a ridge running down the back of it, is meant to evoke the 911's hood. And yeah, you kind of get some other goodies like an an active stylus, a spare 66 watt charger, and a special, you know, fancy stitched case in dark gray vegan leather leather to go with it. Um, If you are looking to pick this up, please be aware that, you know, while the RSR is currently retailing for 16,000 yuan in China, it was about 2200 USD. Traditionally, the the differentials in price between the Chinese market and the international markets is huge. Um, For example, there's like a 700 USD difference between the Magic V2 in the Chinese market versus international market. So I don't know. It's going to be expensive, y'all. But I guess if you're a Porsche fan, that might maybe maybe you just fall in a demographic where that's cool. But if you like Porsches, look out for the Honor V2. I know you guys weren't um, too wowed by this, but I actually like the design. I don't think it's that. It it is cute. It's sexy. Like, yeah, the camera bump is a little trapezoidal. It actually has a titanium frame. So it it is sexy. In comparison to the regular Honor, like I kind of liked how they did the camera bump, the angle to it and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know if I spend all the money on it just to have Porsche. Like, I don't like the Porsche aspect of it. Um, but every time I see this phone, it's dang, it's thin. Like, this is like this truly yeah. is the thinnest foldable out there. So, nine point yeah. nine millimeters uh, yeah. close, and it's still that thin. It's still the thinnest one. Um, and I don't know, maybe if you throw the phone by accident, the Porsche one would just go really fast <laughs> because of the streamlined. Not that you would throw it. Um, but I don't know if like James Bond had to throw it as like a weapon or something. Um, but yeah, if then a super expensive phone is not your jam, which we have plenty of mid range and um, and you know kind of cheap phone fans on the show, um, and you're looking for a flippable, and you happen to be in Japan, there might be a phone out there for you. There was recently an announcement on Yahoo, uh, Yahoo in Japan. Uh, the ZTE Libero Flip is a new kind of very Galaxy Z. It's, it's almost like though, it's like the Techno Phantom Flip plus a Galaxy Z Flip. So it is a clamshell style foldable. It looks like a Techno Phantom Flip in that the cover screen is not a rectangular cover screen like a lot of the ones that we have here available in the US. It's a circular dial that has all kinds of widgets, but it has that kind of like Samsung flip flavor with a lot of like really interesting um, software that goes with the cover screen, including, you know, special gestures to allow you to take cool selfies on the front, of course, with the commensurate, you know, Asian peace sign uh, or selfies with a cat. Um, and the really interesting thing about this is that, you know, we keep talking about how a lot of the most successful foldables and flippables are just not cheap. But the ZTE Libero Libero Flip is actually 420 USD unless you pre-order it and then it's 265 USD. So dang y'all if I, I know we have i know we have listeners in japan so i don't know comment questions like what do you think what's the flippable market like in japan and is this like going to be a great contender uh, and hopefully just in general a can a kind of harbinger of cheaper flippables to come i so, like i like anyway. cheap cheaper fo- cheaper flippables or foldables being an option and i do like that circular screen i don't know 
Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Um, and then the software is important too, because I think part of it is selling the, the flip, the, the, the kind of transformeriness of it with, with software. And yes, uh, PAC North, Northwest Fallstar friend, friend of the show, uh, always audience member friend. I am going to try to look for one, but I don't know what buying phones in Japan is like. I, I tried last time casually, but I'll try harder. This time. <laughs> How do you casually try to buy a phone? You're just like, oh, Hey, phone. You just do walk down the you? Whatever. See you later. Like, it's just like, <laughs> walk down the nerd store. And if there's not a gotcha, gotcha, gotcha machine that gets my attention, then I'll kind of walk over to the electronic section and see if I have money <laughs> to spend. Um, that's kind of just casual. Um, but yeah, more flippables, more so, foldables. Sarah, what, what is the flippable, foldable penetration in Australia like? Do you, are you seeing foldables in the wild or? Not not really yeah. in the wild. More like if I go to like developer centric right. events, that's where I, I see a lot more flippables. But this one looks pretty cool. I kind of like it's. A, I think it's a good entry level flippable phone if you want to explore that kind of um, hardware. Yeah. It it's it's cheap enough to warrant like well if the hinge breaks, you know, because that's always my issue. Like if the hinge breaks, I mean it's not that expensive, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, that is the note, though, that it's only uh, yeah. IPX42, so it's not really dustproof or waterproof. So that's a good point. It, it will probably will break. Um, I guess say yeah. sub $500, though, <laughs> for a flippable, that's, that's, sweet, that's a sweet spot. And, and, and sub 300 if you pre-order, right. which is not a yeah. big and then ask, if we can get, honestly, If we get foldables down sub 1,000, then we're, you know, I think the, 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 the whole form factor becomes much more accessible to people, so... All right. Well, that's uh, that ZTE and and uh, and Honor and Asus or Asus are not to be uh, left behind. There's there's some other players out there, right, Michelle? Yeah, that's right, Ron. At the complete opposite side of the price spectrum from the ZTE flip we just talked about is the Xiaomi 14 Ultra, um, which Xiaomi has been teasing recently and which leakers have been revealing details of. So Xiaomi's gearing up to launch the Xiaomi 14 series the regular models in Europe. Um, they're planning to talk about it next week at Mobile World Congress after they launched it in China late last year. And alongside the announcement of the 14 series in Europe, they're also going to add a new Ultra model to the lineup. Um, we did have previous Ultra models in the Xiaomi 12 and the Xiaomi 13 lineup. But uh, of course, like this year, they're going to add a Xiaomi 14 Ultra model. And according to the German blog Win Future, it's going to have a 6.73-inch OLED screen at QHD resolution with a 120Hz refresh rate and up to 3,000 nits of brightness, which is wild. It'll be powered by Qualcomm's latest Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 with up to 16 gigs of LPDDR5X RAM and up to a terabyte of storage, a huge 5,300 milliamp hour battery with incredibly fast 90-watt wire, wire charging, 50-watt wireless charging. Um, it'll have an IP68 rating, and um, according to Xiaomi CEO Lei Jun, it'll have a Leica co-branded dual telephoto lens featuring a 75mm floating and a 120mm periscope um, lens, both with Sony's 50-megapixel IMX858 image sensor. So there's a lot of specs just thrown around, but from what I heard, people who use the Xiaomi 13 Ultra... They've have been praising it as probably the best camera phone of 2023. So the Xiaomi 14 Ultra is likely to be a contender for best camera phone of 2024 if Xiaomi is able to keep up that level of quality. However, at a rumored price of 14.99 euros, it's going to be really expensive yeah. and price out of reach for yeah. most people. And uh, Lejeune also hit the Twitter right with the important question, right? 
Yes. What does it look like? And, and what 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 team are you? Are you team white or team black? Team- um, in terms of the in terms of the colors of of the Xiaomi 14 Ultra, you know, um, uh, and I gotta admit, the 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 they both they look both very look very nice. Pretty although good. White is winning the poll on Twitter, fifty eight point six percent. So, <laughs> I do think White looks slightly better in these photos. The white one looks dang sexy. I mean, like that looks that that looks like yeah. a super nice phone that stands out, and it like it it looks like a high quality camera phone. Right, like that. Yeah, I mean, oh, the, yeah. the size yeah. of that bump. I mean, it, the Leica bump is just yeah. bang. I feel like all of our Leica, like a like like a like in friends are gonna like this. <laughs> sorry, I'm really sorry. That, that, oh that, wow, there was levels to that. I didn't intend that, y'all. I'm that sorry. Was I'm fantastic, shut up now. by the way. That was. Uh... <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> that last one, I really didn't mean. Like That's a really good like. Oh, that got me. Oh, man. All right. Um, <laughs> well, um, well <laughs> it's kind of hard to transition from that. Um, but uh, while we're talking about foldables, um, I, we do want to share, even though Jason is off this week and he is um, uh, out on vacation, uh, which we were all very jealous of, um, he did uh, recently post to his YouTube channel uh, his first review of the OnePlus Open, um, his first hardware review on his independent channel. Um, and we wanted to share a little bit of, of it with y'all. Um, and so if you don't mind, we can roll the beginning of it and we can check it out. Here we go. The foldable trend is in full force. And pretty much since the beginning, Samsung has been leading the pack. And while that hasn't changed, OnePlus obviously has plans to challenge that fact. After a few weeks with the OnePlus Open, I gotta say, they're on to something. While I may be a little late to the game with the OnePlus Open, I heard enough people anoint the Open as phone of the year for 2023, so I knew I had to give it a spin. I've spent a good deal of time with many of the foldables of years past, so I wanted to see what is so special about the Open. The hardware itself is breathtaking. After experiencing the thin and narrow front display on the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold series, not to mention its chunky brick-like quality in the pocket, the OnePlus Open is a refreshing change of pace. Not only does it feel lighter and definitely more svelte, which helps when it's stowed away in the pocket, the front of the device actually looks like a pretty standard smartphone display, which is to say it doesn't make any trade-offs the way other foldables have. You get what you expect out of the standard candy bar phone, and it happens to fold out into a nice tablet-style device, the best of both worlds. Now, the common complaint of visible creases on the inside display of other foldables is, at least here, mostly a non-issue. Is there a fold crease to be spotted? Yes, there is, but it's incredibly muted by comparison with others that I've seen anyways. I believe it's helped by the fact that the display itself doesn't exhibit the same kind of squishy quality that some competitors have shown. That seems to elevate the perception that this is a higher quality display. And all this says nothing about the sharpness of the display itself, an LTPO panel that's 2800 nits bright and easy on the eyes in the sunlight. Now design-wise, OnePlus really nailed the hinge. It's beautiful, slick, and fluid. Some competing foldables have hinges that are too stiff to easily open, which usually has me concerned I might actually drop the device while trying to get to the inside. But that same rigidness then comes in handy for propping the device open to varying degrees. The OnePlus open needs around 45 degrees to keep from snapping shut all right well thank you jason that's just a taste 
of Jason's first hardware review. Um, but you can definitely go uh, watch the rest of it. Um, and that is available on the Yellow Gold Studios uh, YouTube channel. Uh, go to youtube.com slash yellowgoldstudios. Give Jason a like and a subscribe. Uh, even though he's not on the show this week, he did a great job on that OnePlus Open review. Um, and definitely uh, definitely recommend everybody going to check that out. A um, little late to the game, but he's catching up. He had a couple months of, of being on the, on the fence. Um, but I, I got to say, I... I seeing the OnePlus open in his setup made me very jealous that I don't have the OnePlus open in my hands right now. Um, it looked very, very attractive. Right? So, like Jason, yeah. get back now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Convinced. Um, so yeah, so good stuff. So go, go subscribe to Jason's YouTube channel. Um, and we miss you, Jason. Come back next week. Um, right. So that said, we're going to move on into apps. All right. Yeah, and I, I know y'all will never get tired of Google Messages stories, so we have another one for you. But this one's actually pretty, I mean, if you are less Google Messages, you know, liking kind of person, you might be interested in this feature, though, because I think it's like a, a definitely a table stakes feature in 2024. And that story, that I'm that feature that I'm, I'm talking about is being able to edit text or edit messages after you send them. So they are working on this. It does seem to be feature flagged for now, but it seems to be in the works. And of course, you know, all of our you know, very uh, prodigious uh, APK Poconet friends uh, did find that there is going to be a feature where you can long press on a message, have an edit icon appear. And if that message was sent within the last 30 minutes, be able to send it. Um, this will include edit history, of course, because that's super important transparency with your message editing. Um, but yeah, for now, it's hidden behind a feature flag. But um, yeah, I think some people have been able to enable it. But if the other person that you're communicating with hasn't enabled it, it gets a little funny. Um, and the kind of fallback experience uh, for this edited messages is just getting every version of the message sent. So I guess if you're one of those people who like to poke and enable things, um, use with caution, <laughs> especially if you're talking to someone who isn't enabling it, they might just get a whole that, bunch of uh, and gradually the, edited that's messages. That's the challenge here because away. like editing a message yeah. on Slack or Discord or stuff like that where we're or even WhatsApp's rollout of of message editing, it, it's comfortable because you're both on the same platform and you see how it works. Yeah, absolutely. But with mm -hmm. Google Messages, you might not be talking to someone on RCS to that point, and then it can get kludgy, right? But um, it's funny to show the concept of not being able to edit your message. Looking at you, X Twitter Twix. Um, in 2024, it's just like it's baffling to think that like, oh, there are messaging platforms that I can't edit the message on. Like, I feel like that's like, like you said, it's got to be table stakes in messaging. But yeah, absolutely at this time. So I guess we'll just wait and see um, when we all get it on messages. If you're using messages, or you just use WhatsApp or the other platforms that aforementioned platforms. So that's one for WhatsApp. Yep. There you go. Plus one. Um, and then one more thing from Google in terms of messages is message summaries. Yet another AI story this week. Um, so it was really interesting because during Samsung Galaxy Unpacked, of course, we did find there was a lot of Google in our Samsung announcements. And one of those things that was announced was Android Auto message summaries in the middle of your Samsung Galaxy Unpacked. Well, we have a little bit more of an idea of how they might work and some details. Something that is interesting is not necessarily that, you know, Android Auto is going to basically take, you know, multiple message messages from the same sender and group and be able to kind of summarize them and then go ahead and like read that to you instead of having messages read one by one by one, ping, read the message, ping, read the message, which is my experience right now. When my husband and I try to talk about what's for lunch on my way home from my appointments, um, you'll get just like kind of like a nice 
AI-generated summary. Um, so that is interesting. There's also something interesting around the messaging, I think, which is what 9to5Google kind of, I think, pointed out is that uh, there's an interesting story here of like the branding and the direction and kind of Google trying to clean up their kind of, you know, ecosystem of assistant things while not calling it assistant, maybe calling it Gemini, maybe assistant still, but it's really just Android auto, just this kind of confusion. So um, during Samsung Galaxy Impact, it was branded as just Android auto, but in case it's not clear, it's still an assistant feature. Um, and according to the documentation in the support notes, this is an Android Auto kind of like, you know, noted feature, but it does say that it should be enabled on your, quote, assistant-enabled Android device. So, you know, I think we talked about assistant coming to, like, the new versions of assistant coming to headphones and stuff, or get Gemini, rather, coming to a headphone. So, yeah, um, look out for that as well. Um, it sh- it There is a setting currently in Android Auto to enable this uh, message summaries. If you go to your Android Auto HUD, go into settings, there is a play AI messages summaries toggle that you can toggle on, although the 9to5 Google team haven't actually seen the summaries come in. Um, But yeah, if you do, if you have Android Auto, uh, like us in our CB crew or just otherwise have Android Auto, you have and you have enabled this, let us know whenever you see the message summaries pop up and... I, I love that the, the definition of what it will summarize is one long message or multiple messages from the same sender or the group. And they, Yeah. So one long message is 40, 40 words or more, or more than 40 words, rather. This is horrifying. So, um, right? Yeah. Uh, I, it, it does claim uh, there is a there, there was a section on privacy saying claim that they don't, you know, uh, hold on to logs. They, they don't, you know, they don't keep your chats and they don't. Oh, log. I don't think. I don't think it's horrifying about the privacy or the logging aspect. I think it's horrifying about the context of like, of, can AI understand the nonsense that me and my friends talk amongst each other? <laughs> that that right? is fair. That is very fair. I wonder that sometimes myself. I mean, but but also, I talk to my friends, and sometimes we talk about two things. Like alternate, yep. alternately, it happens all the time with all of my yeah. friends. No, for sure. I mean, I've got a text chain with two of my buddies where we're talking about baseball and movies at the same time, and they get intertwined all the time. And yeah. it'd be the kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you somehow know which message is for right, which right. topic. But, but right? it's also funny because, like, the example, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the article 95 Google that we're showing, that, and the example that Google provided was like someone named Brianna is texting someone about dinner, and the, the summary is like, Brianna wants to know if you want Thai and if, you, if you're going to make it on time. I want to know what the original messages look like. Is Brianna just really long winded? And is right? <laughs> like, the- it's like, it's like, well, you know, I'm kind of getting hungry and I'm starving. You know, we had I'm sushi fence, last week, so maybe we should try Thai this time. Would be funny if, like, you also then worked in, like, you know, messages about the new Dune movie coming out. And it's like, oh, don't the don't the uh, sand is it sandworms is that sandworms? Don't the sandworms sandworms yeah. look amazing? And the summary is like, hey, Brianna wants Thai sandworms for dinner or something. Yeah, does it does it do that? Does it just like munge everything together? Yeah. And you're just like, what? <laughs> Very strange. We'll Very strange. But uh, we'll see. Indeed. Um, so another thing uh, coming from Google, it's interesting to see pixel specific functionality start to get rolled out to other users, um, and, and in the, in the process kind of get rebranded. Um, so for example, Google's, uh, search labs is testing a, uh, a, a, uh, uh, a function that they call talk to a live representative, um, which will basically, place a call for you, wait on hold, and then give you the call once a live representative is available. And this is available for calling uh, things like 
airlines, there's a couple of you know participating airlines, Alaska Airlines, Delta, JetBlue, Southwest, um, Spirit. Although, is, is there anybody at Spirit that you can talk to? Um, but also, um, you know, uh, some some telecommunications company like Boost Mobile and Cricket and Samsung and Sprint um, retailers like Best Buy and Home Depot and Walmart um, insurance like eSurance and State Farm. Um, and this is essentially the hold for me pixel thing where you would call someone and then put and then say let me know like put you know be on hold for me and let me know when there's someone to talk to um it's got some uh, a little tweaks to it it's not exactly how hold for me works it's a little bit of a it's a it's not exactly a one-to-one of hold for me with assistant but it definitely seems like the evolution of it um and i guess it would make sense why they would roll this out more um specifically within the search labs but to wider users um so yeah i mean i like when everyone getting cool functionality it makes android kind of cool so um yeah all right there's that and then uh what else we got michelle we got one last one That's right, Ron. And we've been talking a lot about AI this episode. And to cap it all off, Google seems to be using AI to generate app highlights and frequently asked questions on the Play Store. So a couple of users have noticed while they were looking at app listings on Google Play that there's this new AI-generated app highlights section that like basically um, summarizes some of the key features of an application. You can see some of the screenshots here if you're watching the video feed of the app highlights section for like VK, YouTube Music, um, Nike, and like basically listing some some key features of the app, I guess based on what the developer provides in the app description, or maybe based on like, you know, past updates or change logs. I'm not exactly sure because uh, Google hasn't announced this feature yet. It's just quietly rolled out to some users. And another thing they've also rolled out, as I mentioned, is an addition of a frequently asked question section that basically um, looks through all the reviews I'm assuming, and then pulls together a list of some questions that people might be asking frequently about this application and then preemptively answers it based on what it knows about the application, the description, the category of the app, and what people have said about it. And these are potentially useful features just for you know getting a quick glance at an application, like what an application is about. Because there's so many things that app developers have to do when it comes to marketing their own app. And like even like the little tiny things that AI can help out with could go a long way into um, reducing the volume of user support requests and tickets that yeah. you get. I, I do like the fact that they're disclosing at the bottom of the box is created by AI, right? Like the responsible use of AI and letting people know that it's there. Um, but a uh, good question yeah. in the chat, which is uh, from our, our folks who are watching our live stream, uh, can a developer object to Google's chosen summary? Um, which is a, Which is, you know, an interesting question because if I'm a developer and the AI has glean some sort of question and answer for my app that is not accurate can i correct that you know um so that's something that's something to, th- to think think about as well the 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 responsibility of doing this so. it kind of makes sense to me because i mean a little uh, behind the scenes but uh a lot of the kind of this part of management and uh, bookkeeping with apps is all done in the Google Play Console. And the Google Play Console, I don't know, Zara, how's your experience with the Google Play Console? Because it just seems like a really big mess of confusing things that engineers barely understand and ha- haven't helped any product people that try to go in there. So I can see the value in this in that it's one less thing for us to manage. Um, but also, yes, what it's AI. St- so Zara, is, is when correct? Is the Google no. Play Console challenging for you or? Yes. Um, so it's kind of weird because a lot of the things on the Google Play console is for developers, but it's also mixed in with 
stuff that like usually business people would care about, like your Play Store listing, your app description, you know, all those things. And they're all kind of like intertwined together. And all the um, like the permission levels, it's not really very clear. You can either have like all of it, some of it, but like the some of it, you might need like it narrows you down to something like it's it's really difficult to, to set roles. So I will basically. I will give the experience as yeah. the business marketing guy. It is confusing as AF, right? <laughs> um, and and yeah. it is like it, trying to find stuff in that. Like if you think about things that like it'd be nice to see a Google I.O. and announce but that they're revamping something. I think the Google Play console is definitely like due for some love there because, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, you know, I, it's a little bit of internal shame that I'm like, oh, I don't have the dev chops. Like, I, clearly developers know how to navigate around this, so I'm kind of glad to hear that you both are, have the same no. challenges. No. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and it, it it's always like, whose whose turn is it, or whose whose responsibility yeah. is it to change this thing or look at this thing, or who who's going to look at the bug report or the, the the this report that says, oh, you guys have done some bad things? It's, it's really right. it's awful. It it's and it's such an important it tool. Yeah. It's just hitting me how. Yes. Really, yeah. I really could yeah. use some love. Um, well, hopefully, the yeah. AI helps and doesn't hurt. <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, de- so definitely. So if you're a developer and you see the AI summarizing your app incorrectly, uh, write in. Let us know. We'll we'll help spread the word. So <laughs> yeah, and let us know how much you like yeah. the summary, if they're accurate or not. But yeah, but I again, I think this is cool. This is again. Google applying their you know dog fooding their own stuff using AI to to do it. So. <laughs> yep. All right, well, let's get to wrap it up for apps. Uh, and we got a couple of emails from folks. You can always email us at contact at androidfaithful.com. Um, we love to hear from you all um, as you respond to the nonsense we talk about every week um, and share your little uh, insights and that such. Um, and when you've got the first email about a topic near and dear to your heart. so. <laughs> oh, yes. And I, I, really, uh, I really enjoy this email from Tom who is giving us a lovely, I, I always love app recommendations for from our Android faithful fam. And here's another one from Tom. Hi, AF. In the past, I've heard you discussing how you share files from your Android device to your computer. I've done similar things that you described, adding attachments to draft emails or Slack messages on my phone, then opening those on my computer. Yes, very much so, Tom. Recently, I came across a utility called NearDrop for macOS, brilliant name, that partially implements Google's nearby share protocol and allows easy sharing from Android devices to Mac OS. It works really well and I regularly use this now as it's more convenient than emailing or slacking my files to myself. I thought you and the AF audience might be interested to know about it. Cheers, Tom from Ireland, living in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, number one, the name is amazing. Airdrop, nearby share. Although I guess now it might, do, do we need to call it quick yeah. drop now? Or <laughs> air quick share? share, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, the underlying protocol is still called Nearby. They haven't rebranded that. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, you, uh, we also, we, if you are on the live stream or if you want to just go check out this project, it is open source on GitHub uh, under Grishka slash Neardrop. Uh, and I'm absolutely going to try this because yes, I am that person that DMs myself. Yeah. All so, so this is yeah. So the user on GitHub is G R I S H K A Grishka. Uh, so it's github.com slash grishka slash near drop. Um, 
And it's all open source. All the files are there in GitHub. If you're into it, it explains how it works, how to install it. Um, it's a little, it's a little challenging to install. You got to be comfortable with the command line and all things like that. Um, and Grishka, the the author, actually goes on. Uh, he has a great FAQ on there, and also explains that um, uh, why it's not in the Mac App Store because he doesn't believe in giving Apple any money or ask, <laughs> he says, he says, because I don't want to pay the, Apple $99 a year for the privilege of developing Mac OS apps. I'd also don't want to have to go through the review process. <laughs> so just a quick correction. You don't have to install the new command line things to install. You can just oh, you go don't? to the release. Okay. Oh, yeah. I saw installation. APK. Yeah. So, oh, okay, cool. All right, great. Yeah. So it's, so it's easy to install then. Okay, good. Excellent. So uh, I'm definitely going to check this out because I'm the one who said that I was slacking myself files um, and I'm on a Mac. Uh, so that's definitely a handy a handy tool for sure. So thanks, Tom, for sharing that with us. Um, all right. Next email is all yours, Michelle. So this email is coming in from uh, – sorry, I didn't see the name. Adam in San Diego who wrote in to say, wanted to share this tip for anyone else with a shiny new Samsung Galaxy S24 series that may be having this issue I had. So I've had Samsung Galaxy phones for years and just got my S24 and it's been driving me crazy that I couldn't figure out why I wasn't able to change the notification sounds in each app like I've been able to on every previous phone. I was even looking at my S23 next to my S24 trying to figure out why my S24 was different. I was searching Google community and Reddit and couldn't find the answer anywhere. Everything just kept pointing to settings apps pick the app choose whatever notification sound you want and i'm screaming to myself but it won't let me until i found this video the tldr is that of course samsung added a hidden setting in one ui 6.1 that you have to toggle before you can set notification sounds for each app frowning face until or unless you toggle this one hard to find button every app will only use a default samsung notification sound and you cannot change them hope it helps all those in the same boat i was until today i have no affiliation with this youtuber just a video i came across to solve my problem Thanks, Adam. Yes. And uh, this is uh, a video from Jeff Springer on YouTube, who uh, goes into detail on uh, how on how to fix this uh, in the settings on a Samsung Galaxy, etc. And so this was the helpful video um, uh, that was shared uh, by Adam, uh, YouTuber Jeff Springer. The video is Galaxy S twenty four S twenty four Ultra: How to set different notification sound for each separate app. If you want to go find it, and we'll we'll include a link to this in the show notes so you guys can track it down uh, that way. If, if, if yeah, and basically, for some reason, Samsung decided to turn off Android's notification channels feature entirely by default. This is, I've never seen anyone else do that. Like, you have to go in manually to settings and turn it on so you can get just this basic Android feature enabled. And because you don't have access to Android notification channels, you can't, like, customize it for specific contacts or specific um, things on, like, a per-app basis. Wild. Why do they make those decisions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I see all people asking all the time, like, where is this setting? How do I change it? <laughs> uh, well, that, that's the kind of thing where you got to listen to your users, right? Like, clearly, this setting is is an obstacle, and hopefully, Samsung listens to that and may, you know makes the adjustment or whatever it might be. Uh, very confusing. So anyway. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for writing in. Email us at contact at androidfaithful.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. Um, and thank you, Zara, for joining us. Uh, you are awesome. From from tomorrow, uh, from the from the world of the future. Um, so so tell us, Sarah, if people uh, like like what you do, tell her where they can find you on the internet. Uh. So all the links to all the things are in my blog, Zara.dev. I uh, once that .dev domain opened, I 
like within five minutes tried to claim my name. Um, but it looks like I'm the only Zara who's a developer anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, all the links are there. Um, I'm not as I'm not on Twitter as much anymore as I used to, um, but I'm definitely on Mastodon and Threads. So thank Excellent. you there. Well, thank you for joining us for sure. We do, we loved having your perspective. Uh, so great. Um, Thanks for having me. This has been really fun. I'll see you in the future later. <laughs> it's going to be weird because you can listen or watch yeah. this in the past, but you were in the future and it all, yeah. It's, it's all, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that always, I, I always you, say. You, we should tell people, yeah. Ron, how many emails we sent trying to figure out the time zones. <laughs> probably far this. more than there was probably a much easier way to do it. But, uh, but Hey, it's still fun. The thing that always gets me about people in Australia and what got me about living in the future was, um, if you're watching the movie JFK, uh, by Oliver Stone, the early nineties movie with Kevin Costner about the Kennedy assassination. Uh, there's a, there's a segment in it with Donald Sutherland, who is like a uh, an anonymous, you know, source within the government talking to uh, Kevin Costner's uh, character about the Kennedy assassination, and he said that he was on assignment in Australia and read about the assassination of Kennedy in the paper, but it hadn't happened yet. Because he was in Australia in the next day, right? and so like I remember watching that as a teenager, Amazing. and like my mind being blown. Or it's like, oh, time zones—that's crazy. And so, so I always appreciate people in Australia for living in the future. So, trailblazing yeah, exactly. for you. We all right, uh, cool. Well, Michelle, why don't we tell folks where they can find all your Android coverage? If you wanna. Keep up with what's new in Android, see what's coming to Android 15. You can follow me on Twix, Mastodon, Threads, Reddit, Discord, etc. at Michelle Rahman. And if you want to support my work, join my Discord community, see what I'm working on ahead of time. You can go to patreon.com slash Michelle Rahman. You could subscribe for as low as $3 a month and get access to the Discord, which is very lively. And uh, yeah, we talk a lot about Android and Pixel and Google stuff on there. So join us if you want to share in the right nerdiness. On. Excellent. Love the nerdiness. Thank you, Michelle. Um, Wynn, how about you? Hey, I'm also an Android dev. I don't do as many cool things as Zara, but I occasionally do do a couple things, and you can find my talks associated code and video on my website, randomlytyping.com. And I am at Queen Code Monkey at places. I really am not on Twix. I know I'm there, and I know I've got a lot of great people following me, but um, just not don't expect a lot there. But if you do want to like catch up with me, I'm over at Instagram mostly. So excellent. Yeah. Um, and I am on social media at RonXO on all the various platforms, not as active as I would like to be, but life gets in the way. But if you're looking for more stuff to listen to um, and you like movies, uh, head over to ifanboy.com where last week we released our latest Media Explode episode where we discussed not only what we've been watching. Um, I've been watching uh, a bunch of cool TV shows like Munch, uh, Monsieur Spade and Slow Horses and uh, Feud Capote versus the Swans. Um, but we also uh, analyzed the Oscar Best Picture nominations and discuss the, the movies of 2023 and our favorite ones. So head over to ifanboy.com. You can listen to it. Uh, good, good, fun conversation with me and the guys over there. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show and for being awesome. A uh, reminder, you can email us at contact at androidfaithful.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, head over to patreon.com slash androidfaithful to show your support and get in all the good, uh, good stuff that we provide for you supporters. Um, and of course, you can find everything you need 
over at androidfaithful.com. That's got links to uh, all the different uh, podcast platforms and things like that where you can listen to the show. Uh, we live stream the show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on youtube.com slash DTNS or Daily Tech News Show and twitch.tv slash Good Day Internet. Uh, thanks to our good friends at uh, Daily Tech News Show. We love to be a part of the team. Uh, we love Android. We love talking about it. Jason will be back next week. The show will be much smoother, I promise. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you then because we are Android Faithful. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.